The Insurance Coffee House is hosted by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies, brokers, and insurtechs in the UK and across the United States, attracting and retaining the most successful leaders to your insurance business. To find out more, visit insurance-search.com. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and be inspired by the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House. Today, I am delighted to be joined by Eric Haller and Ashley Keeling from Fleming Insurance Holdings. Eric is the co-founder and CEO of the business, and Ashley is the HR director. And it's a pleasure to have you both join us this morning. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you, Nick. Happy to be here. Thank you. Great to see you both. Eric, I know you're based over in Bermuda, and Ashley, you're there in Florida. So really glad that you can join us today. As we are in the insurance coffee house, we're, you know, three parts of the world here. What's your go-to coffee of choice this morning? Well, being in Bermuda, we don't have a lot of the chain coffee house like Starbucks or name all the others. So I have a delicious Keurig that uh, I just got. Very nice. And Ashley? When I'm able to get it, probably just an iced mocha latte is my absolute favorite. Very simple. Very nice. Great to see you guys. For our listeners' benefit, would you mind giving a snapshot and overview on your career journeys so that when we discuss through the business in a bit more detail and, and where you're going with Fleming Insurance Holdings, it'd just be good to have a little bit of background on both your careers, if that's okay. I've been in Bermuda now for 24 years, which is a bit crazy. I started off in public accounting. Once I moved to Bermuda, it was my first exposure to the insurance industry. At that time, I went to Excel Capital to work in an investment group. Then I went to Athene, so jump ship to the life and annuity side. And then through that journey, I had experience on the legacy side, another life and annuity carrier. And then in 2018, co-founded Fleming and have been there ever since. Fantastic. And Ashley, obviously a slightly different journey. And obviously you've joined the business Fleming at a later date. Tell us a little bit more about your career journey, please. So I fell in love with HR um, way back when in 2011 when I was a junior in college. Um, you know, I really love that business aspect while being able to support employees. I started off as an HR coordinator in higher education. I grew there through working at Amazon in the fulfillment centers, down to being an HR and operations director at a fintech startup. So definitely different um, from my previous two experiences. Um, I was a senior HRBP in quantum computing, and now I'm here, a director of HR at this insurance startup. So I just started here um, May 1st. We've done a lot of great things in the short time, and I'm, I'm really happy to be here and be able to support Fleming. Thank you for that, Ashley. Really appreciate it. Eric, in terms of co-founding the business with your other parts there, what was the steps on that journey that brought you guys together and brought about launching Fleming Insurance Holdings? Yeah, no, it's a good question, actually. Relatively um, lucky story. What I mean by lucky is really was Stephen and I met a few years before, probably 2013, stayed in touch, and uh, he approached me in 2018 and basically said, 
you think there's room for another legacy carrier in the market? The legacy industry was gaining a little more recognition and reputation was improving. As we started mapping things out, obviously we decided there was some space for a new carrier, but we really wanted to change the paradigm in terms of how it was done. We wanted to focus more on capital solutions versus exposure solutions. And what we mean by that is instead of simply taking away bad liabilities, allowing our counterparties to recycle capital back into the front end of their business so they can do what they do best and can provide a legacy solution on an ongoing basis. What that really does is it changes that risk profile a little bit and it focuses more on mutually beneficial transactions. So that's really the strategy of of what we're doing now at Fleming. And because of that expertise in pricing casualty liabilities at different points in time, in 2024, we're actually going to be launching a ILS platform that will allow greater access to the investor universe out there by shortening, by tranching up liabilities and shortening that investment horizon that'll be required. So that's going to be incredibly exciting. And so far, it's been very well received. And over the course of the last five years or so since you started up the business i'm sure there's been a big journey along that stage you know starting up a business like this with the capital regulatory requirements and everything goes with it it's not like just starting up a coffee shop is it there's a lot involved a lot of pieces of the pie maybe can you share a little bit more about the early days and sort of pulling the pieces together to get the business up and running Absolutely. You know, as we'll talk through the rest of this podcast, it really comes down to people. Our employees are our biggest asset. And I think you'll hear that as a theme through throughout today. So it's really identifying those right people. But when you're in startup mode, especially day one, uh, like you said, getting the regulatory side, getting the capital side sorted, getting the strategy, mapping out that strategy, how to achieve all those individual goals to get where we wanted to be today. Because where we're at today is a lot different than where we were 2018. Now, the good thing is we had a great core team. We were able to close our first transaction at end of 2018. The most challenging thing about a startup, at least in the early days, is every counterparty you talk to, their first question is, have you done a deal yet? Right? So within two months of starting the company, we were able to answer that yes. And it was box ticked. Okay, next. And then we started talking about how our strategy is a little bit different. And every transaction we had done up until that time was to accomplish a certain aspect of our strategic plan, whether it's proof of concept transactions, because we're changing uh, the focus a little bit to that capital solutions, whether it's gaining access to other counterparties that we want to do business with, And then with the ultimate, well, not the ultimate goal, but with the interim goal of being able to raise institutional capital. And we did that in May of 22, that was closed with Altamont Capital Partners. So getting that first deal across the line very early on, it sounds like that that was very key, but sure with the track record that the founders have got and some of the people that who were there from the start, I'm sure that was going to happen very quickly in any case, but that was pivotal. Across the five years, and and as we head now into time of recording, December 2023. Where is the business now and what are the plans for growth there? We're at a phenomenal spot. Like I said, I couldn't be happier with the team. It's growing. The transactions have been successful. I think in the press, you've seen that we have signed a deal to acquire JRG Re Bermuda from the James River Group. That is a transformational transaction. Obviously, we're gaining a significant amount of size with that but also bringing over uh, their infrastructure, which includes their full team. And we've had conversations with them. 
We've met them and they're an incredibly strong team. So it'll be a great addition to what we've already built here. And we can't wait to fully bring them on board. Exciting times. Ashley, in the fairly short time that you've been in the business, I know you very quickly found out and learned that it is all about the people and very much people-centric. How's the business sort of grown in that time? And how have you found sort of leading the HR in an insurance business like Fleming Insurance Holdings? You know, since I've been here, I would say one of the main things of growth, um, yes, of course, we, we've hired some people in that time frame, but I think one of the main thing is that we've truly become, you know, honestly, it is kind of like a family. I know some places say, you know, it's work and not family, but we really have. One of the first things I did when I came here, I planned a town hall meeting. And so we chose a central location, which just happened to be Tampa, Florida. So all of us from the United States, from Bermuda, um, and some from the UK, we all got together. And that was a, a pivotal week for us. We ate, we drank, we had presentations, we learned everything, you know, the most up-to-date information about the company. But we did activities together, like top golf, um, things like that. And we just got to know one another. And, you know, especially today as companies are going back to work, us being remote is a big deal. You know, being able to to do that and see us grow as, as people and as colleagues and as a, a collaborative, supportive culture has been the most amazing transformation that I've seen at any company in such a short time. In terms of that employee footprint and headcount, where are you with that? At the moment, you've got a team in Bermuda, the US. Did you say London as well? It's primarily the US and Bermuda right now. We will be expanding into Europe as we have several transactions that are over on that side of the pond also. You know, the virtual office, it wasn't something that I would say we set out to do day one. When we started the company, Bermuda obviously has a wealth of expertise around the insurance market. But one of the unique opportunities, if we want to call it an opportunity, was COVID when we really started growing. We were all in lockdown. So as we started growing the different functions, I wasn't as focused on the location of the individuals. I was solely focused on the expertise of the individuals and going out and, and finding where those best people are and, and getting them on board. It was a bit unique. It worked at the time because, like I said, everyone was locked down, so you weren't meeting in, a, in an office anyway. And then we formed this phenomenal core team. Obviously, there's going to be other challenges with having roughly half of our office is virtual and half will be in Bermuda. So we still have, from a Bermuda standpoint, we still have a significant presence here. We still satisfy economic substance, all of those things, but we do have roles throughout North America. And like Ashley was saying, you know, I think having events like the town hall that she was instrumental in organizing is incredibly important to make sure not only do the employees have a professional relationship, but they also have a way to have personal relationships with each other. It's one of those things that, especially after the success of that first one, we're basically going to be doing it every six months to make sure we have a set plan for everyone to get together and everyone basically be able to celebrate what we're building. One of the things that Ashley mentioned was the activities that we do also. So we don't want everything to be just work. Obviously, it gives us a forum to talk about what's going on, what the strategy is, 
gives a time for anyone to ask any questions Mm -hmm. in terms of, so they can get a better understanding of what everyone does. But then we also have fun things. One of the things that Ashley didn't mention. So I have almost a thousand skydives. And one of the things, obviously we can't take the whole team skydiving, but there is this thing called iFly, which is uh, an indoor wind tunnel. Basically it's simulated skydiving and it's very, very close to what the real thing is. So I selfishly thought this would be a good team building event. And what I was really coming from, it is something that takes people out of their comfort zone, which is always good to form relationships and bonds outside of that. Mm. It is something that people normally aren't used to. So they also get a sense of accomplishment once they are able to do it. And it builds a lot of camaraderie because even though people don't think it's a team building type event, it's a glass wall and the whole team is around this wind tunnel watching individuals go in and experience being able to fly, which is is absolutely amazing. So, you know, I love that it was very interactive, that it was such a a notable event that people really enjoyed. Are you trying to balance then that dynamic of in-person events, virtual events, bringing people together, sort of both Mm -hmm. online and in person as well? So we do have some virtual events, but for the town halls, those are always going to be in person, right? If there's people that can't make it, obviously, you know, life happens and we can deal with that. And we want to get as many people there. And then four sessions we did have for people that weren't able to attend. We also had the town hall sessions online so people could join virtually, but the intent is to get everyone in one place. And Ashley, from a HR perspective, were you the person who put the foot down and said, no, you can't all go skydiving out the same plane on the same day? Yes, though I appreciated the enthusiasm. Let's not do this one. When we settle for iFly, I was like, that is perfect. Yeah. Ashley, is that something that you're very keen to build upon and grow as the business grows, really sort of build out that camaraderie and culture, that teamwork? taking people outside of their comfort zones, as well as providing an opportunity of learning and develop of their specific areas within the business, but like to, to bring that camaraderie and team bonding together. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Eric mentioned, we will be planning this um, hopefully every six months and those will be instrumental in making sure that we, number one, um, find a date that works for everybody as much as possible, except things happen, Um, but that we are always doing something engaging and interesting that will put people out of their comfort zones in a positive way that challenges them within work and the presentations we're doing or having them speak, whatever it is, or when we're doing that, you know, getting to know everyone, building those relationships outside of work. I think we've done a really great job of giving things like great benefits. Um, I implemented 401k right away as it was a request, you know, um, I wanted to earn my employees trust right away. And so, you know, we, we do these smaller things to build that in the meantime. And then you kind of have these big events where then we can celebrate all of that, where we can all come together. Everything we've been doing virtually just builds up and into that big event. It's just going to continue to get bigger. And I will always get my employees' opinions on what they would like to do. And I love my Google surveys. What have you found the outcomes to be so far? How have the outcomes been as you've been putting these town halls and other collaborative events together? For me, I would say just the excitement to be on the team, um, the excitement for what the business is doing, and the excitement for each other. Um, One of our values is that we recognize the expertise of each other and we celebrate it. And being together and just getting to know everyone and 
how long some of us have been in the industry. They just got us excited to learn more about them as people, but things they have published. We want to have a repository um, where people can upload white papers or articles or things they've written. We want to celebrate each other and we want to help each other. And so I think we already had a culture of collaboration and support, but that just after the town hall, it just blew me out of the water. Now it was everyone's like, oh yeah, I can't help you, but so-and-so can help you. They've done this before or they know this person. And so it's like, no matter where you turn, you get that support, you get that help. It really is an awesome thing. That is so important as we build businesses in a virtual world or in a hybrid world, you know, some of the things that we can miss out on is in office environment that, you know, those water cooler moments where people just ask someone a question or just get a little bit of advice on something. But by having those means so then people can, you know, when they go back to their remote working or to their virtual working, they've got those relationships so they can still just pick up the phone, ping someone an email, instant message someone, and you can still have that collaborative culture. That's so important. Any other outcomes to Eric that you've seen at all across the business? Bringing Ashley on board and really focusing on the people aspect, I think has been great. All of us are pretty busy, but having someone dedicated to making mm. sure that the employees' needs are being looked after is mm. positive. I don't remember how long after Ashley was hired, but she came to me. I have an idea. What about this unlimited PTO? And I'm like, what? No, what are you talking about? That's crazy. <laughs> but the more we talked about it, but it provides a mechanism to allow the employees a little bit of flexibility, right? And the more we talked about it, I'm like, you know what? This is actually a good idea. I think we should move forward with it. So it's just that type of input by having her in that role that I think is incredibly beneficial that our hope and our goal is to make plumbing a better place to be for its employees. Ashley, that must be music to your ears, having a senior leadership team, a CEO who's heavily invested in people and looking and open to those initiatives that you're suggesting and the ideas that you're coming up with. It's unlike anything I, I've seen before, just the excitement. And yes, absolutely. Of course, once you present facts and show, you know, there, there might be checks and balances or controls or, you know, whatever it is to have someone who is just as invested in their employees, especially an executive leader. Yeah, I couldn't ask for better. Guys, brings us nicely onto the espresso round now where the questions are short, sharp and straight to the point. So I know you've both got your different coffees there. You've got no chains available there, Eric. I'm sure plenty of Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts available there in Florida, Ashley. Are you ready for the espresso round? Yeah. Yeah. The espresso round. Eric, what would be your one recommendation to a leader or senior executive who's coming in to interview with you there at Fleming Insurance Holdings? I would say demonstrate how you're able to make a positive impact to the company. And supplementally, I say also do your research. When you're looking for talent, do you look for people who have had experience in smaller startup environments or traditionally, obviously, with insurance people come from quite big, large corporate environments? How do you find that? Do you take that on a case-by-case basis or you, do you try to ideally find someone who's had a bit of both? It's challenging because, I mean, even from myself, if you look at it, I started Excel Capital, Athene, although Athene was a startup at the time, it's obviously absolutely huge now and, and mm -hmm. going through growth. So I would say it's on a case-by-case -case basis and it's really identifying if that person has shared values and if they're willing to, to get their hands dirty to be able to build something. And it's really around the enthusiasm that they have in terms of our shared strategic vision. 
And actually, when it comes to hiring and attracting talent to an organization, what would your advice be for other HR professionals listening in today? This may seem kind of simple, um, but I would say stay true to your values and keep an open mind. Stay true to your values. You know, the company has core values for a reason. If your culture currently reflects your values in a positive way, then model your interview questions so that the candidates kind of give you those answers that reflect those behaviors or traits. You know, most people can learn new skills, but you can't teach a culture fit. And additionally, when I say, you know, keep an open mind, I mean, you know, advocate for your candidates. Be open to gaps in resumes by taking in the current job market. You know, people are human. Um, things happen. Layoffs are abundant, especially the last two years. And I would say just keep an open mind and support your hiring managers and encourage them to keep an open mind for things like resume gaps, for time spent, you know, a little time spent in, in jobs. And maybe they have multiple jobs, but again, you know, life happens. They had to take care of someone or they were laid off three times. And unfortunately that that's the reality. And I would just say, keep that idea that you can teach people skills and just keep open that, you know, best person may have just had some bad luck. I think that's so important. Keeping an open mind, I think traditionally within insurance, you know, over the years, we've always assumed that if someone was between roles or been laid off, probably something to do with their performance at the heart of it. But we've certainly seen over the last few years through COVID and other things that, you know, high performing individuals are laid off just as part of restructuring and strategic cuts at that particular organization. So I think that's so important. And especially when it comes to building a diverse workforce and making it an inclusive place, I think as well, keeping open-minded about some of those gaps, hugely important. When it comes to working, selecting with an external recruitment partner, what's the most important thing you look for there? For me, you know, obviously the percentages are always a consideration. You want, you want to make sure the value is there and things like that. But I also look for a partner that, you know, are they engaged with the type of role we're looking for? You know, are they going to send resumes over just to fill a quota or are they going to send quality candidates that truly fit the role? And it's not to say that every um, candidate will be perfect, but are they going to take the time to get to know our culture, um, get to know that the role we want and the type of, of person, personality, the traits, the characteristics, and of course the experience to fit in that role. You know, again, and that could be my experience, but I really do look for that person who who is going to find that best fit based on multiple factors. Including that value proposition that you talked about earlier. I think from a external partner, it's core that that's aligned, but I also think the candidates expect that now as well. I might even ask you what your values are as a business. I think it's very important. Final question in the espresso round. I'll ask you both this question. What's the one lesson your job has taught you that you think everybody should learn at some point in their life? Ashley, I'll go with you first. Honestly, um, I have to say one lesson, you know, throughout my career that I've learned, people are, are just that, people. Mm. No matter the money someone makes, mm. the skills they have, the company they own or run or manage, their title or, or not title, you know, or lack of title, they are a person just like you, me, and everyone else. It's detrimental to your development to doubt yourself, to be self-conscious, or not take development opportunities because you feel intimidated, unworthy, overly anxious or nervous, or other symptoms that... You know, unfortunately, imposter syndrome is, is huge in today's world. You're just not doing yourself a favor when you when you doubt yourself like that. And, you know, especially if you're an HR leader, for those listening who are in HR, maybe just start in HR, 
you know, you are a true business partner. You're no longer just an admin or a party planner. You're highly certified. You are highly educated and businesses and employees thrive because of you. Be respectful, of course, uh, but always remember you earned your way too, and you matter too. So be confident in yourself, your skills, and your voice, no matter who you're speaking to. That's so inspiring, Ashley. Thank you so much for that. And I think, yeah, for a lot of our HR executives listening, that value of the people, the staff, they're the people who are making the value in the organization. And if you can help them to be as successful as possible, provide that environment, huge impact on the overall performance of the business. So certainly not to be underestimated. Eric, over to you. Long Similar lines, but I would say don't shy away from any experiences, whether it's personally or professionally. The more you can draw upon gives you a greater basis to relate to other individuals, relate to situations. It seems easy to say, but my background in insurance is not a traditional one. Uh, CPA, CFA, then I went through, I was in the investment group, I was in strategic planning, I was running an M&A team, so a bit all over the place. And there was a global development program that I was selected for years and years ago. And one of the pieces of advice was that I needed to find a specific focus and that it shouldn't be as diverse of a background because I'm going to find it very challenging to be successful if I didn't pick one, one avenue that I wanted to focus on. I think looking back, that was obviously bad advice. <laughs> I think, you know, a relatively successful, but it was simply because I didn't shy away from those new experiences. And I wanted to, you know, like I said, both professionally and personally, be able to gain a broad perspective. And I think that's part of the things that's led me to, to this point right here. Expanding and stretching yourself, learning new environments. Yeah sure you find that very rewarding as well you know i think if we all just stay in our lane we just focus on one very small niche area it is rewarding especially taking a look back at everything the team has accomplished but there are frustrating days within there and it's challenging eric ashley thank you so much for your time today it's certainly flown by we've rounded off there with a couple of really inspiring pieces of advice actually for our listeners so thank you for that before we go, though, if there are listeners, and I'm sure there'll be lots of people out there listening now, perhaps they're in the States, perhaps they're in Bermuda, perhaps they're in Europe, and they're sort of keeping an eye on maybe some of these opportunities in the future with Fleming, what would be the best way for them to either reach out to you or to learn more about opportunities that you have? Thank you, Nick. I mean, this has been great. Uh, glad we could be part of it. Easiest way is probably to reach out on LinkedIn or to go to our website. Fantastic. So what we'll do is we'll post your profiles on LinkedIn so people can reach out directly after the podcast with their comments and feedback. And yeah, importantly, go through to your website as well. Eric, Ashley, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a real pleasure to have you on the Insurance Coffee House. Fleming sounds like a wonderful place to be and lots of opportunity going forward. Thank you, Nick. Appreciate it. Thank you, Nick. Thank you for listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time for another episode packed with insights and advice for senior leaders, C-suite executives, and ambitious insurance professionals. Stream all episodes at insurance-search.com.